Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip. Almost live from Rotterdam, we have finally made it to the first live show day of Eurovision 2021. Now, before we get on with this episode, I'm here to tell you that we are sponsored today by the good folk over at the Queer Brewing Project and their friends at Cloudwater Soda. So Queer Brewing is a queer-owned brewery looking to build community and provide visibility for LGBTQ plus people in and around beer and advocate for LGBTQ plus rights, all whilst raising money for relevant charitable organisations. That's right. And here's the exciting part. You can head to thequeerbrewingproject.com to find out more and use the code EUROTRIP, that's all one word, EUROTRIP, for 10% off queer brewing merch and beers, as well as cloud water sodas, alcohol-free drinks. And that code is valid until July 31st, 2021. Hosted by Rob Lilly and James Rowe and brought to you by Cloudwater Soda and Queer Brewing. This is the Euro Trip, almost live from Rotterdam. That's right, you heard it there. I'm Rob Lilly, he's James Rowe, and this is our preview of the first semi-final of the Eurovision Song Contest. It is taking place tonight. After all of this time, after a wait of two years, the live shows at Eurovision are back. I can't believe it. After all these days and weeks and months and actually two years of waiting for Eurovision to come back, it is finally tonight. At some point, depending on where you are, maybe 8pm or 9pm or something like that, it is finally 
tonight. I can't believe we're saying it. Eurovision, I'm going to say it again. Eurovision, Rob, is tonight. Yeah, we are here. It has arrived. And as a result, we have got so much to talk to you about on today's podcast. We will be previewing what is going to be happening tonight, potentially what you can expect, who's going to get through to the grand final with some special guests. We're going to be joined by Brian O'Reilly. He's a journalist from Ireland and also by Ben Robertson. You might know him from the Bet Eurovision podcast. So me, James and that duo of likely lads will be reviewing and previewing tonight's semi-final. But not only that, we're joined by a handful of other guests as well. We'll be joined for the first time on the Eurotrip by Australia's entry this year, Montaigne. We'll be having a short chat with her about what it's like to be representing Australia this year. Steve Holden is back as well. You will have heard him yesterday on Monday's episode, but he's back today to go through the semi-final running order with us. And we've also got another Eurovision memory. So we have got so much to fit in between now and the end of the episode. It's the perfect build-up to the first semi-final of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. We've got all that and more still to come. Tweet us or find us on Instagram. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Yep, that's right. The Eurotrip, almost live from Rotterdam. And I know I've said it about five times already, but can you believe, Rob, Eurovision is on TV Tonight. Yeah, we've said it enough times. It still apparently surprises us that despite the fact that we have effectively been building up to today since we relaunched this podcast back in August, the day has finally arrived. The big question is the bunting out in the Roe household? Oh, wow. You've put me on the spot here because the answer's no, sadly. I got it out on Saturday. I said it would go up on Sunday, but I've just been so busy with the podcast. That's the problem. And I'm looking up at the wall. You can see me now looking up at the wall where it's meant to be. And sadly, it is not there. It's just sort of, I shouldn't say this either. It's just in a heap upstairs waiting to be unfurled. You had a go at me on Sunday's podcast for like not getting us excited for Eurovision by saying that this time next week it'll all be over. The first thing you've said on this podcast about tonight's semi-final is, oh, the bunting's in a heap upstairs. (laughs) I mean, you should probably get that sorted, no? That is going to be my first priority once we're done here. I'm going to head upstairs, bring it down. We've found all the flags, the hand waivers and everything. We've got a full collection. It just needs to be prepared. Maybe maybe the iron needs to go over a few of them as well. It Absolutely. Get to it. I think you need a staff of people. There's a few people living in that house. Maybe enlist a bit of help and you get yourself Eurovision ready for later on. And the big question, of course, any snacks for later? Uh, normally we don't really do much on a semi-final night. We save ourselves for the big night on Saturday. That's when we're going to go full throttle on Saturday night. And uh, actually, we've not put a lot of prep into it. So honestly, thanks for the reminder that we need to get some snacks ready for Saturday night. What about you? Get that shopping list written. Yeah, my girlfriend has made some Oreo millionaire shortbread for this evening. So regardless of the results, I'll be in some sort of sugar coma by about song eight, which I think will will coincide with something like maybe... Maybe Croatia, something like that. I forget what song it is, but it'll be around that time. So we'll be combining female banger with sugar coma later. (laughs) Well, I did actually go and look uh, at my other screen to see what song it was and realised that I had the list up of Eurovision 2011. So that's not really going to help me. (laughs) What was was, was song eight in the uh, first semi-final of 2011? Go on. 
that was Switzerland. Do you remember what it was? Uh, it was In Love for a While, Anna Rossinelli. Yes, it was. Song it tonight, of course, El Diablo for Cyprus. Perfect. If there was ever a time to slip into a sugar coma, it's when she rocks up. <laughs> wow. How do I follow that? I'll tell you how I'll follow that. We need to get into all of this chat that we've got on today's podcast. We'll hear more from Steve Holden a little bit uh, later on. We've also got Montaigne on the way and a very special Eurovision memory from none other than Dami Im, the second place act from back in 2016, five years ago, can you believe? But as we mentioned earlier on, we've got Ben Robertson from Bet Eurovision and Brian O'Reilly, an Irish journalist, with us to preview everything of tonight. We'll be going in-depth about everything a little bit later on. But given Ben is based in Sweden and Brian is based on Ireland, we thought we'd focus on those two entries to begin with. I would give her a firm maybe. And honestly, as an Irish fan, given the last 10 years, maybe is a very good position to be in because... Um, quite often at this stage, we can give ourselves a no. <laughs> we, we know we're not going anywhere, even on semi-final day. So I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago before the rehearsal started, I was, I was a bit iffy about it, but she really seems to have brought it together. And I think that coupled with a few that I thought we're going to get through, not quite bringing the Ray game with them. It's, it's opened up a bit of a road to the final for her. So I, I still think it's probably slightly more likely than not that we won't go through, unfortunately. But I think we're a firm maybe, and I will take maybe, given the last decade and what Ireland has gone through at Eurovision. Brian, give us an idea about what it's been like over the last decade or so being an Irish Eurovision fan, because I guess for, for me and Rob as British Eurovision fans as well, it, it's been a difficult ride. So generally, what is it like to be based in Ireland and a fan of the Eurovision Song Contest? Um, it, it's, it's been a difficult decade. I, there was actually an article um, today that kind of traced it back to Dustin and said that that was the big turning point for Eurovision in Ireland, that... Um, the record industry here kind of disengaged with Eurovision after Dustin songwriters disengaged. And, you know, we've had a lot of Swedish and Danish songwriters write Irish entries, which kind of further pushed the record labels away. And then the problem was we didn't have national finals and that kind of pushed the public out of caring because it's, it's difficult to care, I think, when your entry is selected for you behind closed doors. And that's no offence to Leslie or, or Ryan O'Shaughnessy or anyone else, but it does disengage the public slightly when they don't feel they have a say in the entry. So public interest has gone down, record label, music industry interest has gone down. So it's, it's, it's hard. And just, I think Ryan O'Shaughnessy generated interest, generated buzz, kind of got people interested again and you know Ireland and the contest was obviously held in Israel the year after Ireland and Israel have a complicated relationship and a lot of established acts didn't want to go and it kind of the steam went out of it then obviously the pandemic cancelled last year so Leslie hopefully she can get to the final hopefully she can build up a bit of momentum because you know public interest is low I think a lot of people think our our heyday is long behind us and it is it's 30 years behind us but I think it's going to take a little bit of momentum. It's going to take, somebody's going to have to bring it out, turn the corner and start to build up public interest. It's going to be, you know, another decade before the public probably have any sort of interest, but it's it's a road to get there. Ben, let's get your thoughts on that then. Do you think that Leslie can be part of that shift in perception and that change and for Ireland to take the contest more seriously, or at least the Irish public to as well? What's impressive of Leslie in particular is the level of detail in the stage show. Ireland has come with a concept and the vision of that through the three minutes actually shows that you know, we've got effort behind the song. We don't just have a singer going out on the stage there. It's always nice to see a delegation invest in the time to actually make the song stand out. 
So in that sense, you have a professional product that's added value to go into the Eurovision Song Contest. But you know, sadly, I think for countries like Ireland, it's very much a results game. Quite agreeing with what Brian said there. It's a maybe, but it's probably less likely than likely Ireland goes through. I kind of agree with that statement. And if it's a non-qualifier, that takes the momentum straight down to zero. What what are the chances of, of that happening in terms of what the odds are looking like at the moment, Ben? Because we've mentioned, of course, when we brought you on, you know, you're one of the hosts of the Bet Eurovision podcast. You guys have been looking at that. Where do Ireland sit right now, just before the show tonight? Yeah, Ireland's um, fairly long. There's a couple of long shots to qualify. They are Macedonia and Slovenia. And then Ireland's in this group just below that, including Australia, which is certainly not likely. Like, you'll get more than double your money if you put money on Ireland of all the bookmakers available now. Um, that's been a slight drift. That Ireland's less likely slightly after rehearsals. I think people, yes, they see the high levels of production in performance, but ironically for all the the book imagery and stuff on the stage there's not the storytelling element of it now ben despite the accent we've got to make it clear that you are based in sweden and it would be silly of us not to talk about tusa and his song uh for for this year as well he's in the same semi-final tonight as well what are your thoughts on his performance that we're going to see tonight well, certainly after Melody Festival and Tussie was considered an absolute dead cert qualifier by everybody, that is not the case. And there's been huge momentum in that, you know, Tussie could be, as we say over here, doing a Bergendal. Um, of course, our only non-qualifier. I would expect Tussie to qualify, but there is reasons behind that drift. And one of them, sadly, for Tussie is that he had an operation on his voice in the last month. And... Since then, in rehearsals, in other performances, the very clear vocal he has has not been as secure. So especially with, you know, doing all of these shows back to back, will he be consistent for the jury and the live show? That's where a bit of a doubt has come in. Um, also, strangely for Sweden, there's question marks about staging. Um, the lighting is different in Eurovision. And in that sense, Tussa's there's less focus on him and his character. And that's a downside because there is a charisma there which clearly works and clearly some people have engaged with in Sweden. Like, we know it's effective. That's one of the beauties of a Melody Festival winner. Now, I was lucky enough to, to have a chat to Tusa a few weeks ago. And of course, me and James, we did Malfest Monday for many, many weeks back in February and early March. So we almost, it feels like we've got a vested interest in this song. But when I spoke to Tusa, I asked him, what the song really means to him. There's one line in the song that goes, don't let them hold you down. And, you know, the song in itself, it's, it, it's quite self-explanatory. But when I hear it and when I sing it, I feel, I feel strength and I feel hope because the song, the message behind the song is just be yourself. Uh, be who you want to be, be who, whoever you, uh, you are and express yourself because we're all in this together. We should help each other. Uh, we should be each other's best you know, supporters. And um, on, a on a bigger level, it's about equality and uh, that everybody is, is the same, that we're all you know, just people. Uh, and to me, that's the great, you know, to sum everything, to sum it up in one song, that's huge. 
So that was, of course, Tusa talking to Rob a few weeks ago about the, the really powerful and emotive um, reasoning behind the song. Brian, I'll bring you in here. What are your thoughts about Tusa and, and Sweden in general at the, at the contest this year? Um, I, I can see why it's kind of falling out of the rankings. And to be honest, I think Sweden have kind of fallen into a bit of thing of repeating the same trick over and over and again. And they've been doing it for the last 10 years very successfully. You know, from Loreen, you can trace it all the way back. This kind of dark on stage, flashes of white. It looks very samey to a lot of entries they've put in over the last 10 years. I think it's one of their weaker songs over the last 10 years. And I know it has a very, you know, valuable message to it. But I'd also question whether the public after a year of pandemic are going to want that sort of song, whether they're going to want that or France or Switzerland, or if they're going to want an up-tempo dance number, you know, just to feel a little bit happy. So I, I can see why it is at a risk. I still think it will qualify. I think it will be fine. But I understand why it isn't being ranked the way Swedish entries have been ranked for the last decade. I think to just to conclude this part of the conversation, then let's go. Let's go around the room. James, I'm going to put you on the spot first. Sweden and Ireland. Who's going to qualify? Who's not going to qualify? They're both qualifying. They're both not qualifying. Yeah, I was looking through my predictions a little bit earlier on. They haven't changed. I'm going to say Sweden is still going to qualify. I think it's still going to pick up the vote it needs. Ireland, however, I think it might just miss out. Brian. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Sweden will be fine. I think Ireland, I, I was doing my calculations and kind of going between 9th and 13th somewhere, but I think it would be the wrong side of that to qualify. Ben? Yeah, Sweden in, Ireland out for me too. I'll make it a full house. Irish cousins, you don't want to hear it, but <laughs> <laughs> here on the Euro trip, we think at least Ireland out, unfortunately, but Tusa and Sweden should get through. So we'll be back with both Ben and Brian a little bit later on to go through A few more of tonight's songs that are competing in semi-final number one. But now, shall we, Rob, have a little bit of a chat with one of tonight's entries? Absolutely. This is somebody that we haven't heard on the Eurotrip podcast so far in the 2021 Eurovision season. We've, of course, been lucky enough to speak to many of the artists who will be performing on that Eurovision stage over the course of tonight, Thursday night, and, of course, the grand final on Saturday. But this is an artist who has a very special place in tonight's show because, of course, she is not in Rotterdam. It is Montaigne for Australia. She was one of the class of 2020. It is great to have her back. And if, like James and me, you have seen her performance during rehearsals, during the dress run through that we saw on Monday, we're in for an absolute treat. She may not be in the Netherlands, but Montaigne is bringing her A-game this evening. Oh, she really, really is. Uh, So we've got a little segment of a conversation that we've had with her coming up for you right now. In a moment, you'll hear her talking about what it was like to be filming that live-on-tape performance that we'll be seeing in just a few hours' time. But to begin with, here she is talking about the moment last week where it all just started to sink in for her that she won't be heading to Rotterdam like the rest of the artists this week. Just as I was about to go into the press conference and I was sort of just scanning all of the Twitter feed and just seeing all the rehearsals and the media, like interviews and all that stuff. And I was just like, I don't want to be there. <laughs> like, it sucks that I didn't get to be there. And like, just, it's just like the whole rigmarole and, you know, being on the big stage, doing all of the rehearsals for, you know, two weeks and yeah, meeting everyone and getting to chat to people and be like in Rotterdam. Everything is frustrating. 
it was good. It was a bit stressful. I wish we'd had more time to rehearse and prepare and all of that. Um, but I think what we landed with ultimately is good. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It's just like it's a canned recording. Like you don't, there's no audience. There was a small, like my partner was there and there were some journalists and like the crew, obviously. Um, it's also just like, I don't know, recording down the road from your house is just, there's a lack of ceremony, I think. But at the same time, it also did feel, you know, like a big thing to do. Like when we finished it, we were like, wow, we did that. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Euro Trip. Almost live from Rotterdam. Lovely to have Montaigne here on the Euro trip. You can listen and watch, in fact, an extended version of that interview over on the U of War YouTube channel. Um, but we'll be back with more of the podcast in just a sec. But first, a reminder that the episode today is sponsored by the lovely people at the Queer Brewing Project and their friends at Cloudwater Soda. Uh, Cloudwater Soda, of course, is the little sibling of Cloudwater Brew Co and provides an interesting grown-up soda for you to enjoy if you're looking for something alcohol-free. I don't know whether or not you have got your drinks ready for tonight, but I would recommend getting yourself some of these brilliant drinks in for Saturday. Now, Cloudwater Soda and the Queer Brewing Project, they're currently cooking up a special soda collaboration. Now, they are a queer-owned brewery. This is the Queer Brewing Project. They're looking to build community and provide visibility for LGBTQ plus people in and around beer, as well as advocating for LGBTQ plus rights. And that's all while raising money as well for relevant charitable organizations yeah that's absolutely right and that special soda collaboration is a delicious drink called blossom and is inspired by the flavors in queer brewing's flagship wheat beer called flowers uh, which will be packed full of banana orange and coriander seed now much of the beer industry is of course focused on beer but both cloudwater soda and queer brewing are mindful of those who want to moderate their alcohol intake and those who are fans of the flavors found in and around beer but may not want to consume alcohol i am fascinated by the idea of banana in a drink so that is going to be something special uh, the soda collaboration that's going to be ready in a couple of weeks but in the meantime why not check out their websites that's the queerbrewingproject.com or one word and cloudwatersoda.co use the code eurotrip all one word very exciting we've got our own discount code and that gets you 10% off queer brewing beers and merch and cloudwater sodas range if you want to get some of them in for saturday night's grand final and this code is valid until july the 31st 2021 we want to hear from you email us hello at eurotrippodcast.com so a reminder, I'm sure you don't need it, but this is, of course, the Eurotrip almost live from Rotterdam. We are just counting the hours down now until the first live show of Eurovision 2021. Tonight is semi-final number one. But before we go into that in a bit more detail, of course, we've got to bring you another special Eurovision memory from an interview that we've done over the past few months. 
So far, we've heard the brilliant stories from Eldar Gasimov, of course, who won Eurovision in 2011. We've also heard Albert from Lake Malawi, who represented the Czech Republic at Eurovision 2019. And we have another very special memory for you today. This is actually from a conversation that James did a while back, just after Christmas, I think, actually, if we're, uh, if we're going back in the diary. That's, uh, that's when you had a chat to the runner-up of Eurovision 2016, Dami Im. Yeah, that's right. We've just heard from Montaigne, of course, who's representing Australia this year. We turn the clocks back five years now to Eurovision 2016, and that was when Dami Im was representing the country. And as you say, she was the runner-up that year. Now, I don't know if you remember, but when she was in the green room, Mons was doing a quick interview with her, and uh, he asked, how are you going to celebrate? And she said, well, with a lovely glass of lemonade. And in our chat, I asked her, did you ever get that glass of lemonade? I did! I did. We went to a bar afterwards, all celebrating, and they got me a lemonade. And I thanked everybody. Um, and then I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just not a party person. And I was so tired already. Uh, so I, I didn't stay up very late. I went to bed, but everybody else partied all night. And then I woke up uh, sort of late morning and we all went out for a brunch, which was really nice. We all went to this cafe. I think it was like an Australian cafe in Sweden or something. And then they, um, yeah, at the breakfast, they, um, I think the table next door saw me and they shouted me another lemonade. <laughs> and yeah, that was really nice. Just seeing everybody and, you know, just processing everything. And then I saw my picture in the front page of the newspaper in Sweden and it was like stuck to the news agency walls. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is really crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Like, you, I can't imagine you ever thought you would be in that position while you're growing up and, and one day see I know. your face on a Swedish newspaper. Korean, Korean Australian performing at Eurovision and having my face uh, on the newspaper in Sweden. Like, how random. <laughs> his life. It's always brilliant to hear Damien here on the podcast. That, of course, from a chat that James had with her, as we mentioned earlier on this year. More recently, you may have seen her during Concert in the Dark, of course, our brilliant preview party ahead of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. She performed with a Philharmonic Orchestra and you can check out the whole of Concert in the Dark if you haven't seen it yet or if you want to watch it again, that's over on Eurovoir TV. Yeah, that's right. And another one of those who had a crucial part to play in Concert in the Dark just a few weeks ago will be on the podcast as well a little bit later on this week. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Of course, we are here every single day until Saturday. So today's Tuesday, you've got an episode on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday and just reading those out like that has really put it into perspective that we've still got a lot of work to do this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already very tired James. I'm very very tired but I promise you listeners because we know you love these podcasts we will be here. It's you that keeps us going. It's you that makes us plough through. Uh, Please do give us a little message of support because it gives us one hell of a boost and we probably need it just to 
just to get us ready for what's to come, uh, you can tweet us at Eurotrip Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Eurotrip Podcast. And why not send us an email, hello at EurotripPodcast.com. You might remember on yesterday's episode, we asked you for your good luck messages for the artists of 2021. If your favourite is in the grand final on Saturday, send them a message via us and we will play it out on our grand final preview, that podcast out on Saturday morning. That email address again, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. You can probably hear in the background, uh, James, someone in your kitchen getting ready for tonight's big show. It does sound like there's a lot of food being rustled up, I tell you, so apologies if you can hear it. But as Rob says, please do get in touch with us at eurotrippodcast on Twitter and Instagram, hello at eurotrippodcast.com on the email. But now let's get back to previewing in full tonight's semi-final with Ben and Brian. We chatted a little bit before about both Sweden and Ireland, but let's have a chat in a bit more detail about all of the other performers tonight. Now I started off the next part of our conversation by speaking to Brian and asking him for some of his other standout moments from rehearsal week. Yeah, I, I think actually song number one, I think Lithuania have really pulled together a great routine. I mean, that I think that was pretty obvious from their, their performance um, earlier this year back in Lithuania. But I think they've kind of got the two elements you really need for Eurovision, which is that slight edge of bonkers, but, a, you know, underscored by a really credible pop song. Um, I've been very pleasantly surprised. Um, I tend not to like Lithuanian songs. I don't think I've ever liked a Lithuanian Eurovision entries. And this is absolutely one of my favourites. Um, I also think Cyprus has come on in leaps and bounds. Um, it, it, this semi-final, I think, is dogged a little bit by what I'd call the, the Fuego formation of a solo female singer and four dancers. Um, I don't think all of them are going to get through. I think they just visually are too similar in a you know a 16-song show. Uh, but I think Cyprus is leading the pack. I think Malta are good, but I'll be honest, it probably isn't one of my favourites of the leader pack. I actually think it's quite a little bit contrived, a little bit soulless. I'm not a massive fan, but I, I can see its merit and I can see why it is where it is with the bookies. But on a personal level, I'm, I'm not overly pushed on it. I don't think that'll be the last time we mention Malta in today's chat, but you mentioned Cyprus there and you mentioned the way it's been moving up with the bookies. And I, I can't not chat to Ben about this a little bit more because we have seen Cyprus moving up and up and up and it's entered the top five now overall. And it's similar to what we saw with Cyprus back in 2018. Is that a surprise to you? It's a surprise that it's gone up quite so far. Um, I think it would be a surprise winner for many if it actually came and pulled it off. But at the same time, I have to say, Brian's put on there, the execution of this is really, really fantastic. Um, I certainly, and I think many of the community betting otherwise, had doubts that the performance, not just vocally, but the movement of it and the look, um, it's like, it's probably of all the acts this semi-final, it looks most like a polished pop performance. Um so in that sense, what a brilliant job well done. And it will entertain so many on the Tuesday night. That's why it's driven the market. It is far better on the stage than many of us anticipated. Ben, Brian mentioned the Fuego formation. Now, will that play a role, do you think, in who does or doesn't get through tonight? Because we are seeing a lot of female soloist, main performer, four male backing dancers. Is that going to be difficult for the viewer in terms of I don't know they're going to get a bit sick and tired of seeing similar performances one after the other that's a fair assumption to make the assumption is that if you like 
up-tempo pop music, you're going to choose one, maybe two of these, and you're going to vote for them. So that means those that are people's third, four favourites, they're not going to do well. That's different than some contests like Melfest, where you have an app and free votes, and you can vote for as many as you want. In Eurovision, um, you don't have that luxury. You're paying for your votes. You're going to be selective. So, yeah, we would expect somebody to drop out there. And despite potentially all of the performances being high enough quality from Cyprus, from Croatia, um, from Israel, um, as a lands in there too. And like some of these are on the cusp and yes, you do expect somebody is going to fall. On the jury side of it, if jurors like up-tempo pop music, they can rank all of them at the top. So on that side of things, although, you know, is up-tempo pop the most jury friendly category depends on the juror i guess but um that's your difference there is the idea of the televote now the running order it has made a really huge effort to try and split these up especially in the second half it goes up tempo pop something else up tempo pop something else that makes the effect weaker um actually what you want if you were cyprus and you think you are the best up-tempo song you want to be surrounded by the rest of them of running god of theory because you would show hey i'm the best one and you gather all the votes in so that effect should be slightly tempered to the casual viewer who just sees the songs come on stage but yeah the idea that all of these qualify because they're in the same genre that makes it more difficult now, we will move away from the Fuego formation very, very shortly, I assure you. However, um, Croatia, Albina with TikTok is one of these performances where she's a solo singer and she's got four backing dancers behind her. Let's just have a listen to a clip from a chat Rob had with her a few weeks ago about her ambitions for this week. I would really like to see my song in top 10. And I really do believe that I have chances with a good staging and, you know, with that moment on a stage uh but you know um for our country it will be a big success success even to you know just qualifying the finals because uh, recent years we uh, you know didn't manage to do that unfortunately so yeah uh but i'm you know i'm hoping uh, that uh, i'll be in top 10. So Brian, Croatia there, Albina, she says she wants top 10 in the grand final. I mean, she's got to worry about getting through tonight first. Is, is that going to happen? Yeah, I, I think top 10 in, in the semi-final is about where her hopes should lie. I, I would kind of place her that if she qualifies, it'll be at the tail end, probably at the expense of Israel, maybe at the expense of Azerbaijan, one of those other sort of songs. I do not see it being on the left-hand side of the scoreboard come the final. I, I think it's probably probably not the bottom five, but it, it won't be on the left-hand side either. I like the song, but in that genre and in that space this year, there are a lot of similar songs done better. And that's not taking away from an incredible performer and vocalist she is. It's just the song is not going to beat, I don't think, uh, other songs of a, of a similar nature this year. Now, I want to move on to talking about what could be a surprise qualifier, Ben, because you have been, of course, looking at the odds. You've been studying the patterns. So it might not be a surprise to you, but it might be a surprise to me and James and some of the viewers tonight. Well, one of the things that's going to be, I think, quite arresting for many of the listeners to this podcast will be how short both Russia and Ukraine are in the qualifying markets. They are expected to be 
dead cert qualifiers, basically. Um, now, that's a surprise. And they've actually both shortened in. They've got excellent staging presence, um, excellent use of the backdrop, powerful performances. But both of them are very regional in their sound. Um, and despite that, and that was a concern for us, like, will these translate and will they fill an arena? Will they make sense? We believe they will. And generally, since rehearsals, the odds in both of those have shortened. I've not seen many people saying they won't qualify. But I think the casual viewers tuning in, when they hear Russia and they hear Ukraine and they hear this very different tone of music, and then they sail into the grand final, I think people will be surprised by that because if you're conditioned on your Swedish pop music, these songs are so different and they don't fit into the commercial world that we are from, but they both should be comfortably qualifying. Brian, what, what are you thinking about these two, the, especially these countries that Ben's just mentioned there, Russia and uh, Ukraine? Are, are those the type of songs that, for you personally at least, are jumping out as, as natural qualifiers? Um, definitely Ukraine. Um, Russia, I was toing and froing on, but I think she's really pulled it together in rehearsals, so I think she should be all right. <laughs> Definitely, I, I agree with Ben. I think a huge amount of what a surprise qualifier is, is cultural. It depends on where you're living and, and what you're used to. And I can definitely see the two of them being the sort that in Ireland and, and the UK and probably in Western European countries, it'll you know be a WTF moment for viewers when they see those get through. And I can already hear the, the radio phone-in shows in Ireland on Wednesday morning complaining about those particular entries when Leslie doesn't get through or if, if Leslie doesn't get through. Uh, because Irish people love moaning on radio shows, but it, it's very much a cultural thing. Um, you know, I can I can also see to a degree I could see maybe Norway filling that category of being complained about it. You know, the guy with the angel wings and how did he get through ahead of X, Y, and Z? But you know, it, 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 what a surprise qualifier is in one country, it isn't in another. So I suppose I can only really speak to it from a, from an Irish point of view. To round up this chat, then let's pick one song each that we personally hope makes it through to Saturday night. I will go first. You can all disagree. Uh, you may do, you may not. I would like to see Roxanne and Romania go through this evening. I think it's a brilliant performance. I think it is a hugely emotional song and I think it would bring a lot to the grand final. James? Uh, I'm going to go for an interesting choice and perhaps the only person who would go for this choice, but I would really like to see Slovenia qualify tonight and I'm of the assumption that it will not happen. However, I loved her performance in Slovenia at the when it was revealed in the national uh, final. Uh, I think she's got a stunning voice and she would deserve to go through. But as I say, I don't think it's going to happen. Brian, for you. Um, well, I'll, I'll put my Patriot uh, hat on here and, and say, of course, I'd love to see Ireland go through. Um, unlikely though it is, um, outside of Ireland, Probably my favourite song in the semi is Azerbaijan, but I have been a little bit let down by the live performance of that. But I, I'll keep fingers crossed that she'll get through. And Ben, you can round us off. 
personal choice, my absolute favorite of the entire contest is the song from Russia. Um, I absolutely love what that stands for. I have spent enough time in the Slavic part of the world to know exactly those stereotypes you're singing about. And I love the positivity in the image that comes across with that. I love that it's on the Eurovision stage and I can't help but bop to it as well. So um, I think the final needs that story to be told. A huge thanks to Irish journalist Brian O'Reilly and also to Ben Robertson from the Bet Eurovision podcast. He also does some great stuff for ESC Insight. So thank you to those two for joining us today to look ahead to what's to come tonight in semi-final one of the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, I'm just going to say it again as well. Very, very exciting that Eurovision is tonight. I can't believe it. I'm, honestly, I'm just lost for words after two years of waiting. I'm sure you all are as well, that it's finally here. It didn't feel like it was ever going to come. And yet here we are, finally. It's today. Eurovision. Wow. I'm lost for words again. What, what can I say, Rob? Part of me thinks that if I just left you to it, and just left you in that room with that microphone. You'd just be repeating that over and over again. <laughs> Eurovision today. Wow. Can't believe it. It's here. Here we are. Oh, wow. I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it either. But it is later on. So we should probably wrap this podcast up as quickly as we can. Because we've got stuff to do. And we want to be sat down ready for when the show itself starts. Uh, you might remember on yesterday's podcast, we had Steve Holden, BBC Radio 1's music reporter on. We had him chatting about the testing process, actually, in Rotterdam, and also talking about his documentary, which is now on the BBC iPlayer, and it's on YouTube. It is called Eurovision, The Road to Rotterdam. Very creative title. Don't know where they got that from. But we also, when we had a chat to Steve, thought, well, let's make the most of him because these chats don't come along very often. And we wondered whether or not Steve would give us his thoughts on what we're going to see tonight and the songs competing in semi-final number one. So that is exactly what we did. So I'm looking at the list. What? What? So do you, are you thinking definite qualifiers? I think, well, let's talk definite qualifiers. I'm going to throw some countries at you and you can let me know whether you think you agree. Is that something the BBC's yep. music reporter can do? I can do that. Yep. Uh, Lithuania. Yes. Yes. 100%. Russia. Yes. 100%. This one is more up in the air. Sweden. Mm. I would like to say yes, but place, but, but fourth place in the draw is not great. Leslie Roy and Ireland come along with song number seven just before Elena Sangrenu and El Diablo, which is a song we've already spoken about a lot. That could be difficult for them as well. It really could. What what for Ireland or for Cyprus? For Ireland. Yeah, again, I'm really worried about Ireland and I really want it to go through. It's one of my favourites. It's one of my personal favourites. Like I went for a run in Rotterdam yesterday and when she starts singing, my, my heart is a compass, my soul is the road or whatever it is. That's when I like speed up, you know, she gets me through this good motivation music. Um, but yeah, but, but Cyprus's performance is slick. You know, so it's it's like when Michael Rice came between who was it? Hatari and who came before him? He came uh, he came immediately after Kaino. Exactly. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Rough, rough for for, uh, for Michael coming, as you say, between <laughs> Kaino and, uh, and Hatari. Who knows? Maybe well, that's the benefit of James maybe being on first. Nobody before him. Maybe. Got the whole stage for himself. Maybe. James, do you want to take us through the second half of semi one? 
Yeah, for sure. Of course, in ninth place in the, in semi one, we've got Norway and Ticks. We've already mentioned Ticks, of course. What do you think about his chances? I think he's got a strong chance, if I'm honest. Again, it's, uh, you know, I know he's not to everybody's taste, but he's got a performance that stands out. You remember the wings, you remember those devils. And the song isn't bad, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So I think he's got a strong chance. Albina for Croatia, again, one of these female soloists with four dancers, which may, may not help given people will just think, oh, she's a female soloist with four male dancers and forget which one they're thinking of. But then after her, we've got Belgium and Hoover Phonic. Now, what do you think about their chances? Because I think a lot of people much prefer their song this year compared to their 2020 entry. Is it enough to get them through the semifinals, do you think? There's nobody else like Hoover Phonic in that semifinal. I would say, just looking down the list. And the song's good. The song's classy. The staging is simple. It works. I'd written Hoover Phonic off, if I'm honest, before I got to Rotterdam. But having seen the rehearsal, I think it's got a really strong chance of going through. And the staging, let's not forget, is designed by the same person who did the staging for the Common Linnet in 2014. And we know Well, there you go. There you go. (laughs) Uh, looking ahead as well, Israel follows them. Eden Alain, what do you think about her? Because again, a female soloist with four male dancers. Yeah, and I think we have to, you know, put politics into this with what's going on in the wider world. Um, I haven't seen too much chat like on the ground here about Israel's entry. Um, if we just if we take the politics out of it and just focus on her performance, again, it's it's the solo singer with four dancers and even though her whistle note is amazing, is that enough to carry a whole performance through to the semi, to, to, through to the final? I don't know. Again, I'm kind of borderline with that one. And then we've got four songs to wrap it up. We've got Roxen for Romania, Effendi for Azerbaijan. We've mentioned Goe for Ukraine. And we top it off with an artist we've not mentioned yet, Destiny for Malta, close the semi-final one. So I think Destiny will go through easily. Um, it's a great pop song. You know, and remember, we are in the Eurovision bubble, aren't we? You know, we can, people can pick holes and dissect and say, you know, that's my, maybe not as good as what we're expecting, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Juma Cass is a pop banger. So I, I, I put my house, if I had a house, on her going through. And Go A, I think we'll go through too. I think Effendi's going to struggle with Matahari. And I can't, I can't decide on Amnesia by Roxon. I actually can't decide whether, because, whether it will go through or whether it won't. It's it's the one I, I just can't call. A big thanks to Steve Holden from BBC Radio 1 for joining us again. He finished off there by speaking about Romania. And as we were discussing on Monday's podcast yesterday, uh, we were in the online press centre as they were doing the first dress rehearsal. Romania have switched things up a little bit. They've gone for a change of outfit. They've changed the lighting a little bit. So maybe, maybe that will change a few people's minds and maybe it will indeed be a qualifier but we'll just have to wait and see i think a lot of you who will have only seen the rehearsal clips that eurovision.tv have put on youtube will be very surprised by some of the performances tonight because some of the artists have made very late changes in a bid to impress the juries last night of course and then to impress the viewing public later on Eurovision, James has said it so many times, honestly, you wouldn't believe it, is tonight and we could not be more delighted. Good luck to all of the artists because they have been on one heck of a journey over the last year, for some of them, over the last two years to get to where they are tonight. It's so sad, actually, that we are going to lose some of them this evening. 
Yeah, it really, really is. It feels like we've been attached to some of these artists for, like you say, the best part of two years. Now they've been opened up to the wider world, the wider viewing public. And uh, we shouldn't really say it, but in about a week's time, we're going to have to say goodbye to some of them. And we're going to have to say goodbye to some of them tonight as well. All very upsetting. However, all very exciting (laughs) that the shows are happening. I should try and keep it positive. I don't know what we're doing here. The emotional roller coaster that is the Eurovision Song Contest, summarised by you, right there. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. We've seen some of it. Of course, we've chatted to Sitzabaka and Gerben Baker, who have been putting so much into tonight's show. We know you're in for a treat. And let us know your thoughts on the results as well. Feel free to tweet them over to us as they come in tonight at Eurotrip Podcast. Yes, and also one final note on tonight's show. We have found out what Martin Osterdahl's new phrase is. Of course, he's the new executive supervisor of the EBU, taking over from Jono Lassand and his classic take it away line. Now, Martin has his own little catchphrase, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that tonight. Indeed. So, enjoy, sit back tonight and welcome the return of Eurovision. It is so good to have it back. We will return, of course, with this podcast tomorrow for another edition of Almost Live from Rotterdam, where we'll be reacting to everything that has happened this evening and build up to semi-final number two, because it just keeps coming. It's absolutely non-stop all week. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, as Rob says, we'll be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, for the third time this week, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.